Welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with your host, Dr. Nick Vanterhaven, and brought to you by ECG Management Consultants. You can learn more about the show on the program's page at healthcarenowradio.com or on our blog at ecgmc.com hud. The U.S. spends more on healthcare per capita than any other country on the planet. So why don't we have superior outcomes? Why haven't the principles of capitalism prevailed? And why do American consumers have so much trouble accessing and paying for healthcare? Each week, Healthcare Upside Down will dive into these and other issues with ECG principal, Dr. Nick, and guest panelists as they discuss the upsides and downsides of healthcare in the U.S. and how to make the system work for everyone. And we end with your better pill to swallow, the conclusion to today's episode with insights on challenges and changes that improve healthcare. Now here's your host, Dr. Nick. Local community has historically seen a decline with large swathes of the population moving into city and suburban living. Alongside this, we saw the decline of the remote community, the smaller collections of people and life that saw a steady loss to the big city. In the late days of 2020, a global emergency and pandemic unfolded across our lives and communities in the blink of an eye changed and the normal that most of us had come to know was turned upside down. The flow of people from remote to city reversed and communities had newfound influx of people seeking to move out of the crowded cities and bustling urban neighborhoods. Healthcare found the new age of pandemic-infused life to be different and more distributed and technology that had been around for many years suddenly became mainstream, allowing for remote clinical consultations and interactions. Telehealth came of age. But as we have seen with so many other technical innovations, it was not rolled out by rethinking the existing interaction and adapting to apply the technology in the most appropriate and innovative ways. Rather, it was a replication of the existing process. People found themselves in virtual waiting rooms. You hear that right. We had a physical waiting room, so we replicated that in the virtual interactions and created the same for telehealth interactions. And while the access and ability to deliver care while in lockdown and unable to travel to your local healthcare facility was an essential cog in surviving the pandemic, it came in two dimensions and lacking the intimacy. We not only need, but also crave as human beings. Few would want to return to the prior environment where accessing care required booking an appointment, taking time off work, organizing childcare, driving to the facility, sometimes battling with parking misery, waiting in a room with dozens of other people, perhaps a side trip to some testing department, and culminated in a generally brief and unsatisfying personal visit with your physician. But can we have our cake and eat it? Is it possible to maintain the intimacy of the in-person consultation blended with a virtual or remote interaction? Join me on the Healthcare Upside Down show as I talk with Klaus Jensen. Klaus is the Chief Innovation Officer for Teledoc Health, where he oversees all their technology design, engineering, and clinical quality. Klaus leads healthcare innovation, seeking to provide new ways for consumers and patients to interact with healthcare and technology in a more seamless way. Hi, Klaus. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you very much for the invitation. 
So we're talking uh, virtual care, intimacy. Those two issues seem to be a complete conflict. How can you have a virtual interaction and still remain or capture the intimacy that I think we as human beings all aspire to? I think we have to take a step back and look at the fact that there's a fundamental paradox that's existed for a long time in healthcare. Uh, it didn't arise with the whole discussion about virtual. If you look at the last at least 100 years, maybe longer, uh, the path to specialization of healthcare means that you have to centralize the specialties. So, so it's not new that you have this dichotomy between the need for local intimacy, but at the same time have some kind of, of centralized specialization. I, I spent time working for an academic medical center. It's an awesome place from the perspective of promoting the science. It can do things that a local hospital could never do, but it's not necessarily by definition local. So, so I've sort of coined this, this phrase that there's a Billy's Doctor's paradox, which is as humans, and I totally agree, we want that experience, that intimacy, but the very nature of a specialized healthcare system has made the experience fragmented. I think we have to change the question. And basically, is there a way of having a cookie and eating it too? Can we come up with a model that isn't one or the other, but it's the right combination of the two that gives us the human emotional connection, the right feeling of intimacy, but also allows us to leverage the best that the healthcare ecosystem has to provide. So I, I, I agree with you. I think there's some potential, but is this a technical challenge or is it a human challenge? How do we approach that? Because I listen to you and go, yeah, I, I want that but I'm struggling with what we have in place. Is this something that's future innovation that's necessary with, you know, perhaps the virtual interactions that are more um, akin to the human interactions, or is this something we can achieve now? And if so, how? It's a really interesting question. Uh, I actually do think this is my personal belief that we are at that cusp where this paradox can be addressed. We'll talk a little bit about what, what I think it takes to get there. Um, but there's this moment in time right, when when things align, we've seen it uh, in other industries where all of a sudden in the span of three to five years, all of a sudden, boom, you had something totally different right, uh, afterwards. My gut feeling tells me and all my data tells me that we're at that kind of moment in time. Let's examine the parts. If you actually want to do what we just talked about, and, and you and I both want that to happen for healthcare as a whole, there's a number of different pieces you have to put in play. You have to make sure that you don't lose the clinical science. It has to actually work. But you, you have to make sure that what you do is the right thing for the individual. Um, the other part you have to put in place is you have to be able to reach them or have them reach the resources, wherever the resources are. Historically, that was a matter of moving yourself to a physical location. Uh, with the advent of our ability to have remote presence, we have better ability to actually make a connection that's not necessarily based on the physical location. That eliminates some of the inequity of location. Um, there are also ways we can use technology to help people with self-care. Self-care is hard. Right? We all know what we should do, and, but we don't always get the nudges on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, living with chronic conditions, for example, is hard. Uh, living with mental health challenges is hard, 
and, and I can't see a doctor or a nurse all the time. What do I have that helps me in between? So what I'm talking about here with technology is not replacing the clinical nature of the interaction. It's certainly not replacing the existing system. It's filling out the cracks. It's augmenting the system. It's amplifying the power of all the great forces of resources. That was two. Uh, the third ingredient you need is logistics. Because logistics is no longer just about booking an appointment. In the kind of world I just described, you got lots of moving parts and figuring out what moving parts to apply where and how to match up people that need something uh, with the available resources is hard one. Right? There's a lot of logistics. And, and I think there's a piece of behavioral science as well, right? if, if you want number four, which has a lot to do with the fact that the majority of a health outcome is based on the choices we each make on a day-to-day basis. So I think the beginning of the answer is that we need all four ingredients. And if you go back like five years, I don't think we could have put those four pieces together in a meaningful, intelligent fashion across the board at a national scale. I just, it wasn't there. We didn't have the wherewithal. We didn't have the understanding on the behavioral side. We didn't have the technology to put the pieces together. And I don't think we had the logistics either because the last two years have brought a lot of logistics into play in terms of how do you weave together resources that are coming from different physical places. So that's the beginning of an answer to a very interesting question. So, you know, the pandemic essentially exposed a host of challenges, but it, it almost seemed fortuitous in timing that... To, to your point that we had some of these capabilities in place, we just hadn't exercised them to a full. I mean, I've been heard to say that, you know, telehealth, virtual, whatever, has been two years away for the last 10 years, <laughs> and it's still two years away. I think that's not true. I think to your point, you know, there's been an acceleration. But the other thing that's sort of embedded in there, and you you touched on it was this inequity piece that I think has really, certainly from my perspective, been very troubling because I, I, you know, I accept I live a very privileged life. I'm very fortunate in all of the access and capabilities. But when you look at the data and the lack of access, and I'll tell you a specific story I heard about a mother who was in her car to access in this case, it was mental health services because she didn't want, because she lived in a single, um, yep. you know, that challenge for me remains unaddressed. And I struggle with how we approach that so that we can deliver all of this great capability to a broader set of individuals. Yeah, I'd say unaddressed is a strong word. Uh, I would agree with you, it's not fully addressed. I think we've addressed it more than we had before. I'll give you a couple of examples. Let's take another car example. And, and this is actually one of our examples. Um, so, so take a, a woman that's driving down the highway. She's a newly diagnosed diabetic. Right? She's alone in the car. Uh, she's got two babies in the back. She's not feeling well. This is not necessarily a great scenario. It's kind of dangerous because when you're feeling dizzy, you got low blood sugar. Um, in this case, uh, she has one of our devices uh, it could have been someone else's, but that device is cellularly enabled, which means that it's always on. Uh, and she actually has the ability to not just measure her blood sugar, but that piece of data gets sent to someone that is able to provide support, 
even though she may not be at a moment in time where she knows to call someone or even that this is potentially dangerous, what actually happens is that, you know, someone from our support team reaches out, guides her to a gas station and, and you know, the problem gets fixed. If you think about equity, um, there's a component of equity, which is, can I access what I need at the moment I need it? It's not just location. It's time, opportunity, location, et cetera. Um, sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean that I need to have physical access. No, I need to talk to a person not more often than not, but I can get in touch with a person in different ways. We're all aware of the fact that not everybody has equal access to technology. I get that. Um, but it's easier to provide access to the kind of technology I just gave you an example about than to stand up a clinic in a local environment where there is no clinic right now. Uh, if you look internationally, because equity is, is not just a U.S. thing, uh, it takes up to have an African. It is not possible to stand up a clinic with any kind of specialties somewhere out in the more remote aspects of sub-Saharan Africa. But it is possible to have a local nurse right, that's been trained to do primarily primary care, but has some amount of technology in some kind of limited clinic and can bring in the expertise. Bringing in the expertise has to be some kind of real-time interaction. So I'm just giving you a few examples why I totally get that we haven't cracked the code on inequity and it's not fully solved. And it's something we always have to strive for. But I do believe we've made significant progress in our ability to give people the access they need when and how they need it. it to some degree, it's about choice. So I, I think you make a great point, And I, I, I agree that... Um you know, we, we don't solve for all of it, but you, you actually referred to solving geographical inequity. So you divide it up. I think that's a great way of sort of thinking about this and, you know, facing off those different challenges and approaching them in, potentially in different ways. You touch on sort of external examples that I always like, you know, the adjacent possible that we can learn from, I think, offer tremendous insights. And, you know, we struggle with accepting that. Um, when I think about the digitization and, you know, the offering of this, one of the areas that continues to sort of detract from it or potentially detract from it is the loss of that community, and you, you talk about it in your sort of coined phrase, which is that anchor to the local community. If we start to deliver this, I, I, my experience of that is that, you know, these local community resources now, I don't want to say disappear, but they get reallocated and we lose the anchor to our communities by delivering better services, you know, and solving for that geographical inequity. Are we going to be able to maintain those remote communities as part of this whole process? It's a great question. Uh, you know, you paint one possible future. Um, you and I can quickly agree that there are some other players in, in healthcare um, that seem to be, we don't know, but seem to be pursuing that future. Uh, we don't. Um, our mission is not to replace the existing healthcare ecosystem. It's to make it better. So there's a different choice. Uh, I'll paint you a different picture. Uh, I'll paint you a picture where when nobody's in the local clinic at 2 a.m. in the morning, we can cover that gap. I'll paint you a picture where 
if someone has cardiac arrest or blood clot, and we're not quite sure what's happening, we can bring in a specialist uh, on a moment's notice. And actually the local clinic has access to the kind of drug that will help people not just survive, but thrive after a blood clot. But it requires an expert to determine whether to administer that drug, and it has to be now, because if you don't do it within 40 minutes, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'll paint you a picture where there's a partnership between the virtually available resources and the local resources. And when you start building a hybrid ecosystem that isn't just tiered along the lines of a primary care institution that's like the secondary tier institution and you go all the way up to economic medical centers, how do you actually reduce the barriers in the entire system and create a environment that is more dynamic, it is more synergistic, and it really comes down to how do we become better custodians of an individual's clinical truth? Because guess what? Right? It's all about how do we make good decisions jointly and collectively in the pursuit of the healthiest life for an individual? Healthiest, by the way, is not objective, it's subjective. It, it, it would ever constitute healthiest to an individual. Uh, so I think there's absolutely a different future where we are not replacing the local resources. In fact, we're anchoring them much more firmly into the larger ecosystem of healthcare. Uh, we use this phrase called last mile integration. Um, I believe that last mile integration is super critical. If you can't actually connect the dots, across the local resources, be they clinical or just logistical or supportive, because there are a lot of community resources that are tied into that, we're not doing a good enough job. We have to create an environment where that support is just ambient, permeates the entire local environment, be that your home, be it your community, or, or be whatever clinical resources are available. And the reason I say it's not just clinical is because you can start talking about you know food security, food deserts, uh, social determinants. You can start talking about the local support organizations. They're intricately tied to things like obesity, mental health, et cetera. You, you cannot untangle it. Uh, I, I've seen all parts of healthcare from health insurance to family benefit managers, you know, local pharmacies. I work for an academic medical center. I work for Telehealth Health at this point in time. Our vision is a world where the pieces are connected better, right? where the dots are not disconnected, and we're actually creating a different kind of intimacy. It's not an intimacy that's based on a relationship to one individual physician. It's an intimacy based on a more meaningful relationship to what feels like my care team that happens to permeate the healthcare ecosystem as a whole. That's a lofty goal. Right? Uh, and we just talked about why I believe that that's not possible, where three to five years ago, it probably wasn't. So I, you bring back some pretty strong memories for me sitting out in a very remote clinic in Australia doing local support. I was completely isolated uh, to deliver to, you know, what was a very diverse community and felt quite alone, um, you know, didn't get presented with too many challenging, um, you know, severe clinical experiences, but uh, you know, the idea of that as a supporting infrastructure um, feels like the sort of future of this where that becomes the central point. Maybe it's um, amplifying that. Um, you, you talk about integration. Part of me says, do you just replace it or put in the right thing so that this does become an integrated solution? Is that the way that we 
sort of progress this and do it faster? Because it always feels like when we talk about integration, it, it took years and it shouldn't have taken it, years. It, it took, well, integration is hard. But the funny thing about healthcare is healthcare has a level of complexity that means that integration is transformation. It, we, we don't need to replace the existing system. We spent hundreds of years building the capabilities we have. We do need to integrate them better and we need to supplement them with other choices when that's what people feel is the right thing to do. Not to replace the system, but to marry excellence with convenience to the right way. So I, I, I like that. Integration is transformation. I think we need to let the government and you know the various regulatory bodies really push for that. Although we've seen more of it. I think there's more supporting infrastructure to allow for that so that we can really create um, an environment that supports individuals in all walks of life. And I think you, you talk about it as the individual versus uh, you know the system. What are you excited about? I mean, we've reached this inflection point that clearly suggests that we're on a, a, a curve away. Where do you think this is going? Paint that picture for us. I think we're heading for a next normal camera that's centered on whole person health. It's centered on the goals of the individual. Uh, it's based on finally managing to fuse and integrate the three key on-ramps to care, which would be primary care, mental health, and chronic condition management. And we're absolutely you know, heading for an environment where the good forces of healthcare will stand up uh, and give you a more holistically integrated experience. Um, if you want an analogy, uh, look at what an organization like Disney has done to entertainment. Uh, everything is fully integrated and it's a little more delightful than it would have been if the pieces didn't connect. And wouldn't it be nice if three years from now we can look back and say collectively and together we created something that feels more like the Disney of healthcare? I, I agree with you. I just, I, I guess my pushback here is three years, you really consider that to be possible? Not inevitable, but certainly possible, yes. Okay, so how do we make that happen? What is What are the key tenets to deliver the Disney positive experience in healthcare to the widest population? I think we talked about it. I'll give you three. Um, we have to make the right choices in terms of how we work together. We have to embrace the notion of an integrated hybrid care system that fuses the capabilities that exist locally with the centralized specialized resources and yes, virtual capabilities so that you can reach more people in more meaningful ways. And, and, and finally, I think we have to accept the fact that there's technology that allows us to have an ambient present in someone's environment, whether that's a wearable, whether it's different kinds of sensors in your house. There's so many things we can do with ambient technology that allows us to weave these things together. So if you embrace all three, we can get them. I, I've got to say, I, I come out of this so inspired and positive about it. I think, and particularly because you picked three years, because I've, I've been in this healthcare space and we've looked out way too far into the future. And I think you're right along those lines of you know the requirements and the capabilities. And I'm hoping that we use the wind behind us of the pandemic that has pushed us 
further forward into that inflection point that was achievable, but we just didn't see the potential for it. Klaus, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. The future is bright and well lit. We can and should embrace the notion of integrated hybrid care or a wellness system. The revitalization and support of local resources, making them their own specialized centers and care delivery platforms for local communities. A more balanced world in which the specialized centers embrace and support the wider community, delivering training, support, and more to expand their capabilities while providing the advanced capabilities that cannot be delivered locally for some care. Your better pill to swallow is insisting on the persistence of telehealth in our healthcare system and advancing this capability by supporting the delivery and supplementing this with integrated home-based monitoring wearables, or better yet, ambient and passive monitoring. Thanks for joining me, your host, Dr. Nick, on this week's edition of Healthcare Upside Down. Until next week, keep solving the business of healthcare as if your life depended on it, as one day soon, it will. That's all the time we have for today. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening platform by searching for Healthcare Now Radio. Also, check out our blog at ecgmc.com hud for summaries and commentary from each episode. Follow our show's social hashtag, HCUpsideDown. And join us each week as we work to solve the business of healthcare for everyone. <laughs>